this conversation was a fun one to have. We get pretty uh, descriptive of a lot of the gear, so hopefully it makes sense. We we enjoy these conversations, and we hope it translates onto the podcast. I'd really like to thank everybody for listening to another episode. Really appreciate uh, the support, and you know, feel free to give us any feedback, any ideas you'd like us to talk about. Tree Thinking Podcast at Gmail or reach out on one of the social medias. We always appreciate five star reviews, and now Spotify just actually uh, opened up the ability for people to give reviews. So if you listen to us on Spotify, please go to the review. Uh, icon on on our home profile and cliff give us a five-star review that will help people find us if they're searching for the podcast so that would be much appreciated anywhere else that we do five-star reviews or any kind of reviews feel free to reach out we'd love to hear it anyways with that i'm going to take care of some business and then we'll get right to it This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted cited copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. All right. We're we're back again (laughs) on this episode. It's just uh, Andrew and I hanging out in the garage. Nice. So what's up, Andrew? Uh, not a whole lot. Yeah. Just uh, another beautiful day, man. Yeah, we were bullshitting a bit before uh, before we hit record here. And next week is fifty two, our fifty second episode. We've put out an episode every week for a year. That's crazy. Consistently, in the moment you don't think about it when you're just doing episodes because you're just so focused. All right, got to get next week. Got to get the next outline. Yeah. Got to get who we talking to. But to stop and think about it, it's uh, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen it coming for a while now. We're like, whoa, we're at 40? Like, 52 is not far away. Yeah. <laughs> when actually it's, it was 12 weeks away at that time. It's here. And like I said, we were talking beforehand, and we were talking about, like, what made tree thinking tree thinking was the group dynamic. Yeah. Like, you, me, Corey, Becca, you know, Rob, Dan, all the, Jake the Rake, all the regular characters, like yeah, the, the group dynamic was like different experience levels, different backgrounds. Just, we love joking, bullshitting with each other. It, it, it was so much fun. And it, so we're hoping that next week, our 52nd episode, that we'll have the whole crew here. Like that's the plan. Plans change, you know. But that's the idea of it. Yeah. it It's a lot for, you know, we don't get paid anything. No. We we don't have any advertisements. There's been some super awesome people that have donated some cash here yeah. and there. And I cannot thank you guys enough. Uh, it's kept the beer flowing. Yeah. So we really appreciate that. Um, you know, it's it was always about getting together as a group and just doing what we're doing anyways and having fun and having these conversations about trees and uh, letting other people listen to it and hopefully building a community. And, you know, it, it's been awesome to see that happen. Yeah. And maybe I bring it up cause we're also talking about maybe switching things up here soon. So things might be a little different or whatever, you yeah. know, we're planning on staying consistent. Though. Yeah, the, semi-consistent. The, the semi, yeah. I, I'll say, you know, yeah. it. Uh, I don't know that we're gonna be hitting one a week, yeah. nonstop moving forward. But we'll we'll try to keep them out there. We definitely want to keep going, and we're enjoying the conversations. We we enjoy talking to people in the industry, and we enjoy just kind of hitting record and seeing what happens. Yeah, I think we're talking like every other week. Seems pretty doable, but we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. 
just kind of preparing people for some changes, you know, things might be a little different moving forward. Yeah. That being said, uh, one of the things that we want to do is we want to be getting back to, you know, kind of the, the older episodes we were doing a lot of, uh, kind of a, a certain topic, you yeah. know, and we get into that and we'd kind of get into some stories from the field. So we're talking about part of why we want to go and not do it just every week is we don't want to have the, uh, we don't want the, the focus to be on, we got to get another one out. We want the focus to be on, okay, what do people want to hear? And so if there's something you want to hear, send it to us. Yeah. Whether it's on the social medias or on uh tree thinking podcast at Gmail. Uh, you know, if you, you give us an idea of what, what you want to hear, we'd love that. Cause then that'll make it easy for us to give you what you want. Yeah. But that's kind of the uh, service an announcement of this episode. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking and it was on my mind. So that's how I opened the show. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, and I love it. I love it because that's where we're going. Um, But tonight I think we're going to get, we're going to kind of do what we we're just saying. We're going to do a little mix of some stories from the field. And then we might talk a little bit about kind of trainings on the job trainings. That's another big thing that this show is about is trying to, uh, help people up their game. If you want to be a better arborist and we have something we can share with you that will do that, we're going to do that. Um, and if you've got, if you hear some bullshit from us, yeah. call us on it. Cause we yeah. want to get better too. We're, we're not here saying we're the, uh, the perfect arborist. We got a lot to learn. Yeah. We might not have better techniques or ideas but they're different it's a different perspective probably yeah <laughs> you know, sometimes well and that's i think part of what is funny when we were talking one of the things i love to play devil's advocate yeah uh when when i'm just talking to people and uh the reason i do that is because i love to build conversation you know i love to kind of get people to question what they think and uh you know, I've done that on the show sometimes. I've I've said some kind of stupid stuff just to see what people yeah. respond with. <laughs> yeah. And I'll we'll we'll get an email with somebody kind of calling me out on it. And I love it when that happens. And uh I'm sure I've said some stupid stuff on here also that I wasn't <laughs> trying to do for just to get responses to. So uh yeah. So keep that interaction coming and uh help help steer the ship where you want us to go. But anyways, I'm back on a tangent there. Um so we're going to get into some stories from the field and then we'll also kind of get into some some ways that we've done some trainings and some recent experiences we've had with doing some trainings mm. uh, that we've enjoyed and uh, hopefully we can give you guys some ideas that can help you guys do the same. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, you you had a story, uh, a little story from the field for us. Yeah, and it, it directly relates to on-the-job training, <clears throat> you know. So we just started a project, the company I work for. It's a four-day project for like an apartment complex. <clears throat> and basically what we're doing is building clearance, you know, on all these trees. And we don't have a lift or anything like that, you know. So it's a lot of like up and down climbing, rigging stuff over buildings, like move on to the next tree, up and down, move on to the next tree. And our company right now has a lot of... uh I don't mean this in a bad way or anything, but novice climbers or complete like greenhorns. To, oh yeah. To, we, to we all industry. start somewhere. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we all got to go through that phase. Yeah. So this job, like I said, it's a four day building clearance job, you know, of like up to a five person crew. Yeah. Like dozens and dozens of trees, like up and down all day, couple, couple limbs here, move on to the next tree. So it is like a straight up climbing clinic. Nice. For the new the the news newbies or the novices on the crew. So how tall are the trees? On an average, I'm sure they're ranging in height. But yeah, fifty fifty feet. You know, so it's, it's a good starter tree. We did a lot of sweet gums, English oaks. Today it was like sweet gum, English oaks. There was a Siberian elm in there, a couple smallish firs. But it's great. Tons of throw ball training for everyone right off the bat. Like. We, we get there in the morning and it's like, all right, let's just set a bunch of lines and then we'll just boom, 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 you know, go. Yeah. And 
the potential for on the job training is huge there because we're like in full on production mode. Like let's get, you know, three climbers in the tree. If there's two ground people or whatever, keep up with it. Which is an interesting thing with trees, uh, with tree work is where is that line of production compared to on the job training? Yeah. You know, and at the city it's real easy because we don't have the same production concerns in the same way i mean there you do have to get production going don't get me wrong and we on our crew we kind of pride ourselves in not being the stereotypical city employee Mm -hmm. you know so we're trying to fight that stereotype so we are production minded in that sense but you don't have the same pressure yeah and so it's a little trickier in the private industry of like, when do you slow down and teach, you know, invest that time now knowing it'll pay off later. Yeah. And maybe I'm screwing up your story by get like, uh, sidetracking us there, but it's, that's always an interesting question for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of that would come down to like, who, who are you working for? Like, do they understand the benefit and taking a little extra time? Totally. Who's the crew leader, you know? So, one thing I would do is, you know, I'm the most experienced climber other than the owner there. I've just been doing it longer than everyone else. Yeah. You know? Not to say I'm better or whatever, but I'm the most experienced. I've yeah, yeah. been doing it longer. And you, you probably are better than most of them. So, if not all so of them. I'll choose the more technical tree. It's like, yes, that's mine. Yeah. You know? And I'm seeing everyone's skill level. Like, okay, you'll go up and do this one because it's like cut and throw a couple, you know, maybe you get a rig one or whatever, you know, next skill level up. Like, all right, we're going to balance tie, swing this over or whatever. This job is just, I've been stoked the last two days because it's just straight up and down climbing, rig a couple limbs, teach people, see them get stoked on climbing. It's It's been a blast. And we got two more days of it coming up here soon. There's going to be some felling. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. Cause it's not like if you go to like full on, like canopy clean structural prune a tree, there's a lot of like nuances and you're kind of like stopping to think like, okay, yeah, is that the best cut? You're up in the tree. You're kind of new. I'm on the ground and things look different. You know, we have different perspectives on things. I'm going to do my best, but if I was up in the tree, I might do something different. Yeah. Whereas this is just building clearance. Yeah. Like we're just going hard on these trees. <laughs> like though the work order is kind of like eight feet of clearance for five years. Yeah. So. Oh, you know, I understand. You that. understand clearance <laughs> fruity for yeah. sure. So to me, it was just like, this is the perfect opportunity to get these guys tons of training in the day. You know, I think we climbed like 15 15 trees today, you know, that that's a good number. Five of us. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's a climber. Now, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, just rotating through the, yeah, it was great. And like looking and recognizing skill levels and which tree, you know, who's, who's doing what. Yeah. So we're still in that production mindset. We're still getting shit done, but it's like the most new person is just going to go up, cut and toss a few limbs, come down. Whereas I'll go up and, you know, rig stuff out over the building or whatever. Totally. But it's been awesome. I think a couple episodes ago, you and I, went, the last time you and I were just here together, just you and me, and we were talking about like tip tie rigging or balance rigging or whatever. Oh, yeah. So the balance tie rigging, which I think on that episode you were kind of calling tip tie, because I remember that oak we talked about where you balance rigged it over. You're not pulling out the spider leg to balance it, but you're finding that like balance point and just tying the limb off. Yeah. You know, to swing stuff over. Totally. That balance tie swinging is an awesome technique, especially for rigging shit over a roof. Yeah. (laughs) If you have the right angles to work. If you have the right angles. So this was a clinic on that, you know, this whole job is a clinic on that. And even like the, the newest climbers, we had them doing that stuff. Let, let's go down another little uh, tangent yeah. here. Where's <clears throat> where's the difference between balance tie where, when we're talking about just finding a balance point with one rope and using it to pivot it <clears throat> or 
<coughs> pardon me or when you get that spider leg out yeah so that you hold it i think we'll go with when i think of a tip tie you're either all right so you have of of and, and for, real quick when when i say get the spider leg out i mean i'm grabbing like a 15 foot lanyard or how, however long it do, is and a lot of times the way i do it is i'll put a blake hitch on the lower down line mm-hmm. and then run it back to another point so it kind of balances the limb with two points instead of just the one point yeah it's like if you've ever seen a crane pick of like a lateral limb exactly it's just like that and i would totally call that a balance tie too but it's just like maybe there's just a lack of word for for what what i'm talking about yeah or there is a word we just don't know yeah yet. but uh, let's make one up <laughs> so <laughs> like a tip tie all right let's say there's a rigging point at the top of the tree and the piece of brush you're doing is is almost vertical right yeah so you tie the tip of that cut it free lower it or it's a lateral branch you're getting out on the tip you're tying it up you're cutting you're putting a face cut toward the block like on top of the limb cutting behind and lifting the limb you know to me that's a tip tie the butt is heavy yeah the butt is the heaviest part yeah that's a tip tied closer to the tip yep a balance tie what i've been teaching these past couple days is you want to find that midpoint we want this branch not to drop either way but i do want it to be tip heavy a little bit yeah because as it swings over you know you need that little bit of weight on the tip to help um to help kind of guide the tree through your face cut does that does that make sense it does to me because i know what you're talking about (laughs) but the weight kind of having if you have it so there's no weight on your if all if you tie it too far out so all the weights on your butt as you go when that holding one breaks the bottom is going just going to drop out a lot quicker the butt's going to fall hit hit your roof probably right well depending on the scenario depending on the scenario but i was teaching it in this way we're rigging directly over a roof where i'm like i want you to find the midpoint but i want it to be tip heavy cuz i'd rather not only is it beneficial for how we're facing cutting and swinging these limbs but I'd rather the tips brush the roof than the butt to fall down and smash the gutter or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. At what point do you decide, all right, I'm going to put a spider leg on here? If, if I want that piece to be completely balanced. Yeah. Like I don't want the tips to come down at all. Yeah. You want it to be like a, a pick. Yeah, because all <clears throat> I play with that sometimes, and you know it. I'll there's times that I do it just to get the spider leg out and to practice it, yeah. just to get the skill up. Um, and there's some you know there's some benefits of doing that, like the the it won't drop down and potentially hit the trunk if you're rigging a big piece of wood, you know, like if you can kind of keep it balanced. But there's also some downsides. If you've got it balanced like that and it's hanging there, it's hard to like walk it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, if it comes around, if it's just tied at the tip and the butt's down, you can kind of grab the butt and pull it out a lot easier than if it's all balanced and there's stuff under it, you've got to kind of rotate it in the right way Yeah, to avoid that stuff. Sure. You know, and you see, and I guess maybe the, the other answer is why you see it so often with cranes is because with a crane you can then lift it up and out. Yeah, you you want it to just be as static as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Be, be, so maybe that you know. Yeah, where what I'm talking about, I'm calling it a balance tie. Yeah. Know? It's like an awesome way to swing brush to. I'm going to say a remote rigging point, but you're you're probably in the same tree. Maybe it's a different tree, but. It's not directly above what you're cutting. Yeah, you're right? swinging it away swinging from a target that's over, underneath it, most yeah, likely. Yeah, over into a desired drop zone. Yeah, like when we were doing it at the oak tree that we've talked about a couple times, there was a light and a fence and my truck underneath it. <laughs> yeah. So we were rotating it away from those things. That way, when the holding wood broke and it fell, it was nowhere near any of those things. No. 
and it was tip heavy so it comes off nice and easy for the the ground people to kind of deal with yeah versus if it's balanced tied it swings over it comes off you know that butt might kick back at you or something totally and then you have this horizontal piece dangling there which which can be beneficial too yeah but the scenario of this job site that i'm talking about yeah let's get back like, to that i'm confusing people with my yeah. questions <laughs> no, I'm no, sure. no no i want the questions because i'm it's been a long week <laughs> you know, been a long week and a couple I, beers <laughs> i need all the help i can get <clears throat> but yeah balanced tie rigging over a roof You know, when you're teaching, like, novice climbers rigging, usually it's pretty straightforward, like, butt tie, you know, tipping down a limb or whatever. But we, I've, I've had this opportunity to show them how this balance tie swinging thing works. Yeah. And they'll, they'll do it on a smaller scale, and then I'll go do it on a bigger scale in a more technical tree, and they could see, like, oh, how that works. Yeah. Or we'll be like, okay. So where your rigging point is, is not like away from you. It's almost like directly behind you. So that butt's going to come back there, you know? So it's, it's getting them thinking about all this, all this different stuff. Yeah. That's one thing about when you're doing that tip tie rigging, you have to have someone on the ground running the ropes who understands it. Yeah. You got to tell them what to do. And you got to be good with that face cut because if you cut your holding wood on it, man, you're you, that become could become a very dangerous situation. Yeah. I've seen people bust fences up trying to do that with big chunks, and having the holding wood break and then the tip come flying back, and if it's long enough, it'll go past the tree, and then hit you know in this case hit the fence and knock a few boards out. Yeah, you know, so it's uh, it can get dicey if you're not yeah. on top of it. Yeah, that's why I was always telling them to err on the side of tip tip heavy, right? Yeah. I'd rather the tips come down, that butt come up. But, yeah, it's, this is so hard to explain on a podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can be in a spot where that butt's, when that butt comes off, it's coming right at you. you know? Yeah. You, and and you, we were in those situations, but we were you know, we had the time to like totally talk through it and be like, all right, you're going to be ready for this. And I want you to, we'll hold tension on this. I want you to do a snap cut. You're going to completely get out of the way. And then we're going to give the line a little jerk. Yeah. It's going to come off. You're, you're nowhere near it. Um, and we'll deal with it from there. We, uh, me and Corey were doing that today. He was removing uh, a sweet gum and he had these big tr uh, trunks that, you know, we were uh, removing with a lower down. And so he'd just set up the snap cut and then he'd just boom out of there and I'd just drop it an inch, grab it again, and it would just pop, pop it off. And he could be fully out of there, you know, the buckets way out of range. Yeah. So I was able to just pop it off with by just giving just a little bit of slack, enough for the kerf to close and pop that holding wood. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of a story. I was doing a, a fur removal and this is when I was like figuring out what I what I'm calling a balanced high swing, let's call it that. <laughs> BTS. Yeah, the BTS. And I'm doing this fur removal. And it's one of those furs, you know, with a four or five inch diameter limbs that are like forty feet long. Yeah. You know, classic. And I put the rigging point on, we'll call it the front side of the tree, and there's a fence on, we'll call it the back side of the tree. And I cleared out as much as I can on the front side of the tree, pretty open drop zone, which gave me like a favorable rope angle to go do the lower limbs over the fence on the back side of the tree, right? There's nothing really obstructing me. I got this really nice open rope angle. Yeah. So I take it down and I'm trying that balanced tie swinging thing. But on this, this particular limb, I was too far out on the tips. So I was butt heavy, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And we're swinging it over. And it's kind of like not totally swinging. So you kind of let, let the lower down line down a little bit. And that brings the tips down and it swings a little more. Keep bringing it down, swings a little more. And then that butt release, 
took out a <laughs> fence board. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened to be when the whole neighborhood decided to come watch this oh, one. Nice. <laughs> one branch come out. Do you got a video of it? No. Oh, dang it. <laughs> no. Zach might. I wonder. But uh, after that, I did it with a few other limbs, but it was as simple as natural crotching, a butt tie above yeah. it, you know, with that tip tie balance swing until I kind of like through repetition can figure out where that point is. Yeah. The brushy end is always heavier than you think it is. Always. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. So that was fun because it's this this job back to the apartment complex job, just straightforward building clearance but there's opportunities to do some complex ish technical ish <laughs> rigging scenarios while still getting shit done with with the the novice climbers you know yeah it's been it's been great i've been stoked for the past two days oh it sounds like a great training like a, a way to facilitate training get some production and that's why i was asking about that balance because that sounds like the perfect job for it yeah yeah i think the balance is a good bid yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know if you're making money yeah then you it kind of buys you the time but we're still like say becca i work with becca and she's probably down from me the next you know most experienced or whatever yeah or maybe jeff like you know jeff mm-hmm but if it was just her and I, like we wouldn't get as much trees done, right? Yeah. These people can climb and they can do tree work. So get all these lines set. We come down, you're up, you know, we're just leapfrogging. Yeah. So oh, great way to do totally it. Totally getting, getting the work done. <clears throat> I've just been stoked on how it's like this perfect, this like crash course of like ascending work positioning, rigging. Yeah. You know, cut and toss like everything everything well that's been on your mind recently also mm -hmm. just kind of training and yeah. uh because did you did we were talking about doing a training for green tree yeah. kind of an aerial rescue training but then we had a hell of a storm that day yeah it was nasty <laughs> so it got canceled yeah yeah <laughs> it was like two inches of rain and just a wind you know 30 mile an hour gusts not not a day to be out training in the park. Mm -hmm. um, but you've been putting a lot of thought into that recently, and as have I. Yeah. You know, we've been kind of talking about it. And we, we did do kind of a rec climb that turned into a aerial rescue training slash little mini competition with our friends. Yeah, it was an idea that we've had for a training that we just – did with some friends you know just to try it out see what it was see what it would take to do it. it could be see what it would take to do it yeah yeah and it was so much fun oh my goodness so much fun and what we did was reached out to a bunch of people found a spot and we were like all right come on this day we're gonna do an aerial rescue training in the morning and then the afternoon i'm gonna set up a competition style work climb so we did the rescue training, which was kind of, we just went over the basics. Yeah. Like, I had a checklist that was kind of modeled after the checklist from a competition. Yeah. And I think it's important to train that way, even though maybe there's some redundant stuff and whatever. I think it's important to train that way because it just, it sets you up with the knowledge, the skills, the muscle memory, whatever you want to call it, to have, you know, some... A successful rescue right? so when you say that way want to kind of describe for people that that yeah, way like yeah, uh if you don't know what you mean yeah if you've ever been to a competition there's almost like a list of talking points that you have to hit to get points yeah so we'll, we'll go down so kind of role playing yeah it really and that was something that we learned from the rescue rally that we did. Yeah, the tree stuff online rescue rally. Yeah, we, uh, and to be honest, when we first signed up, I was like, it was kind of one of those things like, really, we got to role play these videos and act like they're we're going to get judged on our acting. Yeah. You know, oh, God. 
But then through doing that, it was really interesting because we'd like try to act like it was an emergency by rushing and talking like this. And, but just through going through those actions, it kind of brings out that emotion in you. Yeah. Like, like a fraction of it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like I, I didn't really feel like my friend was hurt in the tree, but I started getting a little adrenaline and I even started like when I would stop, you know, when somebody else was kind of where the camera was pointing or it was saying something, I would still be like, <sighs> like <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of started getting a little short breath almost. Cause I was getting so into it and fired up. Yeah. And, and then you're like, you know, <sighs> like really getting into it and trying to hit the throw ball. And, you know, so you kind of get amped up and all of a sudden you realize, Oh man, this is like a fraction, but it's still a little bit of what you're going to deal with. You know, your mind's distracted. You're like trying to think about all these different things while you're also trying to hit the throw ball shot. So, you know, or put your gear on or yeah, look at what's going on, you know, scene assessment, all this stuff. It could, it could be real tough if adrenaline's going. So yeah. we like to, to train as if this is a real thing. Like, yeah. Or even something as simple as remembering, and these are lines for us. This isn't even an emergency situation, but remembering to tell someone to call 911. Yeah. It, you know, like it gets forgotten. You, you forget the simplest thing. And, you know, this is like the first thing, the first part of the script is you got to say, hey, you go call 911. Yeah. But we get caught, so caught up in trying to get to the person that we're like, oh shit, I forgot to fucking say call 911. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we can say, all right, cut, cut, we're going to do this again. But so it was all through that role playing that I probably learned just as much as anything from that. Training. Oh, I took a ton away from us doing that little competition because we were getting reps in too. Like we, yeah. we did a lot of rescue training in a short amount of time and we were at acting like it's real. Like we had Becca in the tree like screaming. <laughs> I think it's... So that was scenario two. Yeah. If you want to see it, like, hear Becca do some, <laughs> hear Becca's pipes. Yeah. <laughs> it's scenario two. Uh, what were we? Team Eugene. Team Eugene. Tree thinking rescue tree rally. Tree stuff rescue rally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tree stuff rescue rally. Just go to YouTube and look up, look up that. You can hear her scream. <laughs> but so the way we formatted our training with our buddies was first I went over lowerable base ties, kind of what we do here or what most people that I know here do is they just put an alpine butterfly above, you know, their running bowl and base tie or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to do it because you're not adding all this extra gear to give yourself a lowerable base tie. It takes no time at all to tie an alpine butterfly, so it's easy to get people to do it. Yeah. Right? And we can argue about the effort, efficacy <laughs> of lowerable base ties, but it's an option. It gives you something. I think if you're using it as what you are relying on for an aerial rescue, you're limiting yourself. Yeah. But if you include it as an option, yeah, you've got another tool in the toolbox. And it's so easy. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, a simple Google search will take you to someone's video who who show you. Probably, I think Mark Hamill, or not Mark Hamill. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker will show you. How to do it. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hamill. He does some tree stuff webinars, and I think one of him. I think he's talking about. Uh, I might have he a calls video it DRT, on. but moving rope system. I think I got a video on my phone of mm -hmm. me tying one and describing it i was like oh i'm gonna make a training video and show what i'm doing here and then i just never posted it because i was like oh dude i'm being a dork what am i even doing yeah. so if i can find that video we'll we'll post it of me dorking out sure yeah yeah so i went over that i teach that because like i said there's no extra gear required uh, you know there's a bunch of different ways that it can be used to lower people and and I think the method I taught was another climber, <clears throat> excuse me, another climber has a, a saddle and a climbing system, runs over, clips into that uh, butterfly, undoes the knot, and can belay the climber down, you know? Yeah. If there's a porter wrap on the tree, you take that rigging line, 
attached to that butterfly, undo the knot, belay them down. You know, we went through all that, you know, talking about you need long enough rope. Um, if you can't get the knot undone, you know, ways to add mechanical advantage, all yep. that stuff. Quickly went over lowerable base ties. And then the scenario we set up was a climber was out on a limb, slipped and cut their lanyard with their chainsaw, right? And is just hanging there. And they're on a base tie, but they didn't have any kind of lowerable thing set up. So yep. you got to go up there and get them. But in that scenario, they cut their lanyard. So you could totally just go over and belay them down if they had that butterfly set up or something yeah. set up. It it was a pretty basic aerial rescue. Super basic. But, yeah, I mean, as basic as you can get. But I really liked it. And I like the idea is if you're putting on an aerial rescue training for your company it's real easy to do that super basic up and down. Yeah. But just that, you know, cause a lot of times with aerial rescue training, I try to find the lowest common denominator cause you don't know what you're going to be training for. So like train, when you find the lowest common denominator, what you're basically doing is, well, you might be doing other stuff, but you know, you're at least going to be doing this. Yeah. You know, you know, you're at least going to be going up to them, securing them somehow, and then coming down, working two knots, you know. And I guess it could be less. They might maybe, uh, you know, maybe they're just panicked in the tree and just have, you can talk them into coming down. I've actually heard of that happening with people before. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe. But like in a real, like an emergency to that level, you know that you're at least going up and so if you're adding a bunch of extra stuff like, oh, okay, they're, they're lanyarded in way at the end of this, you know, line and you got to set up a system to, so that they don't swing back into the trunk when you just, you know, that's, that could be a really good day. And I'm not saying don't train that. As a matter of fact, do train that too. Yeah. But for when you're starting people out, at least find that basics so that they have the confidence to go up and bring someone down. Yeah. Cause just getting to dead weight, body in a harness and like manipulating them you find out all this weird shit there's a lot there. it's very weird yeah i remember one thing it, our, our buddy charles brought it up but uh, our friend michaela got over to sean and we were trying to get her to stabilize by pulling up on his his chest tether or whatever yeah. and clipping it it to the bridge or the climbing system or whatever to to bring him upright but she was struggling she's much smaller than sean and was struggling struggling to lift him so this is cool about our community of arborists. Like Charles was like, oh, hey, if you straddle his legs and sit on his legs, that's a counterweight and you're going to be able to like lift him up super easy. And it was like just like that. Like yeah. she straddled him and boom, up he popped. She was able to clip him in and upright him. So <clears throat> that's another thing that I really liked about this training we did. One, we had a bunch of people there. I think we had 15 people there. Yeah. And we, you and me, didn't actually participate in doing the rescues. Instead, we had checklists of everything we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like we were scoring except for the opposite. Cause we weren't telling, you know, we weren't like checking them off if they didn't do something. Instead, the list was there for us. So we could be like, Oh, they haven't done this and we could communicate it to them. So then they could train it. Yeah. It wasn't about like trying to figure out what they weren't doing and telling them you need to do this next time. It was like coaching them through it. Mm -hmm. And I had a few people come up to me and say that how they appreciated that part of it. You know, it kind of gave them the confidence of like, Hey, I'm, Oh crap, I'm going to mess up in front of everybody. And I went out of my way to point something out with everybody from the most experienced person to the least experienced person. That way everybody knew I'm going to, I'm, you know, not like I'm coming at you with yeah, something, yeah. but like everybody knew I was there to give feedback, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and that was a great example of it. Yeah. And it's cool. We, we just had like an open conversation the whole time too. Yep. Like another instance came up with uh, Becca and her partner, Adam. Remember, she wasn't able to work his, his runner. Yeah. He had his, his runner set pretty tight and maybe just his weight and everything. Like Becca wasn't totally able to break to break it. It was really freaking tight. I wasn't able to break it. When he came <laughs> down to the ground, like, well, no. I can't, I don't think I could. I think it was so tight that I was, 
you know, he's like six feet off the ground. And so I was able to reach up and grab it. And I was pulling as hard as I could. And it was weird because I couldn't break it. But then from the angle he was at, he was able to break it. It's weird. But there was something about reaching up. Yeah, I'd have to. I know what you're talking about because I saw it. I remember you showing me that or whatever. But I'd yeah. have to look into it before I'm like. There's something there. Yeah. Well, the remedy was, like I said, this was like an open conversation. And I'm I'm busy doing you know, we split up into two groups. I was yeah. kind of running one, you were running another. And then I just like remembered, I was like, oh, she's struggling with that. There was a Portland competition a couple years ago and the aerial rescue event, you know, part of the scenario, and it was kind of unknown to me until I got up there, was the hitch was just tight and seized up as yeah. if that climber had taken a fall and dropped onto a hitch. Yeah. And I could not break it for the life of me. I, I I have pictures on my phone of my hands like blistered and bloody after the event. Jeez. Because I was just muscling it. I, you know, I'd get it broken a little bit. I'd move down a little bit, move down a little bit. I got him like a foot off the ground and it was time. But it was taking me everything I could. Yeah. And then I talked to climbers afterwards and they were like, so what you need to do is get a short bridge to bridge connection and... Get, right. them, get them below you. Get their weight onto your saddle yeah, because the then there's like nothing on that hitch anymore. So yeah. you keep them below you. And then I ran over and told Becca, I was like, oh, yeah, try this. Yeah. And she was able to do it, no problem. Yeah. A rope runner that you were having troubles breaking. Oh, yeah. No, it was super tight. So get the victim's weight onto you. You yeah. know what I mean? Take all that weight off the hitch. And then you can run them both. That's a little tricky with the rope runner, though, because that's a one-person hitch, so you don't want to fully take them off the rope runner. No, they're still there for backup yeah. or whatever. I guess so, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're still running it. But yeah. but, but that was cool, like the open conversation. Oh, where yeah, no, just, no. We're figuring this stuff out together, you know. We got 15 Arborist brains on it, which is like at least – one or two really smart <laughs> <Normal> brains. brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was a great thing. One of the, I wish we had more time to kind of all get around together at the end of that training so we could have just broke down the whole process as a whole group, you know, had a conversation. Uh, yeah, time was the only thing. We time was the really. limit. And, and hey, that's why that when we say we're, trying to figure out how we could do it if we could do it. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. And we, I think we found out some, a lot of good stuff from that that we'll be able to use on future trainings that we put on. Let's see if I remember the checklist off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, well. I'll know most of it, but I won't know it to the exact detail probably. But so the, the, the checklist for the aerial rescue. Yeah, so this is what Andrew and I had our, our clipboards looking all official – you know, pretending we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Key, yeah, keyword pretending. Yeah. But uh, like we said, we had a checklist. We wanted to make sure everyone was doing all of these things as they're doing the rescue. And the first thing was checking in with, with the, I guess we'll call it victim as moving forward from here. Checking in with the victim. You know, something happened to him. So it's, hey, are you Okay. Say there's no response. Say there is response. You've already determined something that can help you, right? In this scenario, no response, right? So you've determined they're unresponsive. That's a disability. And one thing before we started this, I talked about, you know, in a first aid, first response scenario, you kind of go over the ABCs, airway, breathing, and circulation. But we went to the aerial rescue challenge recently and steve Connolly did a talk where he added the d to it so the d abcs so disability is the d so checking in with the the victim you're you're getting yourself set up to determine a disability right you may you'll you'll further do that once you get to the patient and do the assessment right yeah so the disability i think has a lot to do with determining how you're going to move forward move get them out of the tree yeah. yeah yeah maybe they're responsive and they could tell you you know they're just a little dizzy or something you know who knows but you can go forward from there <laughs> yeah. but if they're unresponsive okay call ems so that was number two on the checklist yeah call ems and then there were things you had to do 
in that. And, you know, when you call EMS, they're going to ask you all the right stuff. But training, training in a way where you're telling EMS everything they're going to ask you, you know, prepares you for that, right? Yeah. So I wanted people to say, uh, obviously, what's going on? So there's an injured climber in the tree, an unresponsive climber in the tree. That lets them know that there's someone in a tree. It's a high angle rescue yeah. type of thing. So they need to deploy the proper people for that. Yeah. You know, if they just show up with an ambulance with no no kind of way to get up in a tree, then you're losing precious time. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think like the operator would ask all this stuff, right? Oh, they're gonna they're gonna have a whole checklist the operator's yeah. gonna ask. Yeah. But Depending on the scenario, the operator might not be asking the climber that. Yeah. They might be asking someone on the ground that. Who's yeah. then going to have to communicate with the climber. Yep. So I wanted them to check uh, check in with the, the victim, activate emergency services. And in activating emergency services, they needed to tell them that it's a high-angle rescue situation and the location. And that there's a trained climber going up to you know initiate a rescue if it's safe to do so yeah so then next was the scene assessment which is where you're determining if it's even safe for you to do the rescue right yeah because golden rule of any rescue situation is don't become a victim yourself don't add victims <laughs> yeah yeah victims not rescuing another victim yeah. most likely yeah so i i had them do you know a full 360 of the tree identifying any hazards you know you're looking for electrical hazards probably number one you know yeah well and that's one of the interesting things i that i was kind of talking with uh with some of the people that were doing the inspection is you know there's some things you might not be looking for that like you would because assuming you did a inspection of the tree before you climbed it in the first place mm-hmm you know, you'd think they would have identified if there's any mushrooms on the ground. Yeah. Or, you know, if, uh, you know, you should know if there's a power line close to it already. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's certain things that you might be able to check off that list. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying you don't kind of peripheral look for them, but, you know, you might be changing what you're looking for to, hey, did they cut any branches? Are there any new hangers in the tree, hangers that weren't there before? Yeah, even if you did a job briefing, someone was in that tree working, so things have changed, right? Yeah. 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 And you can't fully inspect a tree from the ground. No. You can do a pretty dang good job, but you yeah. can't fully inspect a tree from the ground. So, yeah, getting them to do a thorough assessment. And it's kind of site assessment, and the site is now the climber and and the tree. And what's orient like what's relevant to the rescue. Yeah. Which is the tree because that's the structure you're climbing to go get the climber. Yeah. But. And Be- I remember Becca brought up the point. She's like, so what if you do identify a hazard? Do you just like not go? It's like, well, then you're like, can this hazard be mitigated? Yeah. Or is it even an issue? Like, oh, there's some big deadwood, but not going anywhere near that. Yeah. So it's on the other side of the canopy. We're, we're good to go. Yeah. So if it can be mitigated, you're going to be safe. You're not going to become a victim. Continue on. But yeah, yeah, we had them look for electrical hazards, big deadwood, you know, cavities, stinging insects, like whatever. We wanted them to walk around and say everything they were seeing. Yeah. There was some big deadwood in that. In that <laughs> oak, some massive deadwood. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone was aware of it. But that that's interesting also because if that big deadwood or is right above the person that got hurt or maybe the hazard is a lower down that went sideways, which knocked the climber unconscious. Your first thing might not be take, get the climber on the ground. Your first thing might be get that, that lower down on the ground. Yeah. And then get the climber on the ground. You know, like the rest, the first rescue rally scenario we did, the climber was pinned by a big log. Mm -hmm. And so we had to figure out a system to rig that log down and then get the climber down. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to not becoming a victim yourself. You got to mitigate, the hazards yeah so then after the scene assessment you've determined it's safe to go and do the rescue and i i don't know if that was on the checklist but i like i liked them to vocalize that be like okay it's safe for me to go up there yeah 
Again, just getting this stuff in your head, you know. You it, might not do it when things come on, but you've you've trained this way and it's it's there, you know, subconsciously. It's kind of like when you're a kid in math class, like, I'm never going to use this. Yeah. And it's like, well, you might not use this exactly, but you might, and if you need to, then it's good you know it. And you know what? If you don't, at least you're trending something that might be semi-relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So checked in with the patient, activated EMS, done a scene assessment, determined it's safe for you to, to access the tree. So now communicate the rescue plan was next on the checklist, I think. And that, again, all this is just to get people's minds minds going, you know? Yep. So they would just talk about like, yeah, there's an access line in the tree. I'll go up this, make my way over, redirect, and, and assess the patient from there. So then I wanted, I think accessing the canopy was on, on the checklist, like, you know, safe, secure, smooth, <laughs> efficient. And then next would be patient assessment, right? You get to them in a stable work position. So maybe you're lanyard into something or whatever, just stable, confident work position, make a bridge to bridge connection. Then you go over the DABCs, try to figure out what's wrong. You know, are they responsive? Is there blood anywhere? You're checking for the disability right away. Then airway, breathing, circulation. Then we wanted them to stabilize them, you know, lift them upright. And we, we went through a bunch, a handful of different techniques on how to do that. Yep. <clears throat> and then bring them down safely. I wish I had the checklist, but I think that's, that's pretty much it. You know, yeah, there's probably standard. one or two other things in there. Yeah. Because it was a pretty good checklist. I mean, you had spent a lot of time developing a pretty in-depth checklist. And a lot of these things are things we were asking people to vocalize. But in a real rescue, you might not vocalize that. Yeah. But it's just about getting through the habit of going through it. And I, you know, when I'm rigging something big or doing something that's, you know, kind of where my spidey sense is tingling a little bit, even if I don't have to, I'll vocalize stuff. Yeah. You know, I'll be like, all right, I've tied that and I'll point at where I've tied it off. If I tie it off there, then I can cut it here and I'll point there. And then I'll try to rotate this branch over this way. You know, I'll like act it through. And by going through the vocalization and the touching, the physical touch or waving my arms and visualizing it, that is just another way of double checking what I'm doing. Slow is steady and steady is fast, you know? Yeah. Um, That's huge. I, I vocalize shit in the tree all the time. Yeah. And then I think about training a new climber recently and one of the things i did was all right we're going to advance to the top of this tree alternating our climb system and our lanyard and i was right right next to him yeah you know i was on a single rope system just hanging out watching them like cruising up the tree all efficiently while they're hip thrusting and nice. switching stuff but i was like every time you're switching your system i want you to point and vocalize everything to me like this carabiner's locked rope is around the trunk this carabiner's locked Hitch is functioning or whatever, you know, yeah. they were doing that every time. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, but it, I think it's huge. I think it's super important because that ingrains in their head and it's something I do. I've been climbing for, I think, well, January, it'll be probably like five years and I still do that. Yeah. If I'm changing systems. I look at my carabiner. I go locked, locked around the trunk. That's like, I do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how long you've climbing that's smart to do that yeah you know uh i still do that yeah so where are we at now i just went through the checklist on for the aerial rescue yeah and if anyone wants a checklist i'll be happy to share it it's modeled after competitions i've been to but yeah reach out and i'll email it to you yeah <clears throat> great resource for just walking someone through a basic aerial rescue yeah that's what we did kept it basic basically the climbers had to go up Grab a redirect. We did do that. Yeah. And come down, secure them, lower them to the ground. Man, it was so much fun. Yeah. It would be it would be so much fun to do this with different crews. You know, just to go around. If you're in the Pacific Northwest and you want to do an aerial rescue training, reach out to us on social media. So our goal is to kind of help help train the field crew in any way we can, whether that's sharing resources or 
if you're in the area and we're we're doing another rec climb training like this reach out and if you know we only do it with a limited amount of spots because we want to have enough people so we can be have a conversation and work with people mm. you know so i can't guarantee that we'd have spots but reach out because we'd love to if nothing else share some of the resources we've developed yeah and i do feel like you and i are pretty thoroughly practiced in aerial rescue like yeah. working at the city we did it quarterly yeah and then we did the tree stuff rescue rally and then i've been doing competitions for a few years now Oh, I've been doing aerial rescue trainings for over 20 years. Yeah. You know? I, I love it. I, yeah. I can't get enough of it. And it's, I mean, as we saw this weekend, I, I love nerding out on it and having those conversations. Yeah. And I learn stuff all the time doing it. You know, just because I've done it a lot, there's always somebody that has an idea I've never thought of. Yeah. That's the nature of the beast. It's what's so much, that's why I love it is because it's an opportunity to keep learning. Yeah. And you learn tricks that you use in rigging or you use in just climbing. Yep. You know, while you're sharpening skills that you want to have ready and hopefully you'll never use. Yep. So, but anyways, that was a lot of fun. We went through that. It would have been great to break it down more. And you know what? Next time we'll probably, we'll try to save enough time, but we wanted to get moving on because we made this awesome, uh, awesome work work climb climb. yeah Yeah. competition style work climb where i bought cowbells i think i told the story on the august uh shilling podcast where i (laughs) i went to uh, the hardware store and they had cowbells and i'm I'm picking through them and one of the employees comes up and he's like man i gotta ask because when does this happen but do you need more cowbell (laughs) i was like no this is good so i bought cowbells we could have used another cowbell though yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll go back and I'll be like, I hope I could find that same employee. Be like, dude, I need more. <laughs> dude, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Oh my God, I'm sorry, I denied you that. <laughs> but yeah, so we hung four bells. So we had a handsaw station where all these you lanyard in, call stand clear, ring the bell with two hands on the saw. We had a handsaw. We had a limb toss which is this bucket hanging with a couple little limbs in it and a target, you know, down on the ground far away. We had our big green bucket as the Nobody target. got it, did they? Uh, yeah, no, Adam. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he did right at the yeah. end. Yeah, I remember scoring it and trying to remember. I know one person got it. I couldn't remember, but yeah, it was yeah. Adam. Um, and then we had a pole sauce. So the limb, limb toss is a couple limbs in a bucket. You throw it to another bucket. Um. The pole saw station is what it sounds like. You land it in, grab a pole saw, ring a bell, hang it back up. And then we had a limb walk station, which was a long, a long limb walk, low in the canopy. And there was a plumb bob on the end, which kind of determined the points you get. So we hung a throw ball and there's like a, a measuring tool, you know, yeah. to determine how far the branch drops. Cause ideally all your weights in your saddle, you're saying super light on those long limb walks. That was a good limb walk too, because you didn't just go out, but you kind of went out and it went around. Yeah. Like as the branch curved and there was a few branches that would mess with your rope. So you kind of had to figure out how to do it in a way that your rope didn't get caught up. It was, it was a pretty challenging one. It was horizontal and then it ascended. Yeah. So you had to kind of tend your slack. Yeah. And if you know what I call, or what I've heard called pendulum climbing, you know, you're using that pendulum to your, your advantage. Yeah. Cause otherwise you're just all your weights on the tip. You're dropping that thing. But if you could use that pendulum, you could like lift that plumb bob. Yeah. No one got that. No one got all the points. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone get two of the points? I think someone got two, two points. Yeah. So there was, I think only one person got two though. uh, Yeah. Only one person. There's a maximum of three bonus points and we made it, we made it pretty hard. Yeah. Like I had Andrew go out there a couple times. It's like, no, nah, you could be lighter than that. You could be lighter yeah. than that. Basically, I, we figured <laughs> and then out. I cheated. I was like, all right, I taped it in a different spot or yeah. whatever. Where after I like took my time and yeah. went as light as I possibly could, I still only would have got two points. But we figure <laughs> I'm about 190 pounds. Yeah. So we figured some of those little guys might be able to scamper out there. And It's uh, funny. I, I didn't even try it. I wish I would have. Yeah. No, we we can set it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good course, though. We set it up in a way where every station, it kind of forced a decision. Yeah. 
on how you're going to approach the station, how getting there or leaving, how, how you would, you know, the whole thing was, uh, yeah. And people liked it. People were uh, really complimented of that fact, you know, of like, which one do I go to next? We kept them, we kept them. So you kind of, kind of had to really choose. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? Which one connects to the other one? And there wasn't an obvious way. It seemed like everybody did it a little different. Yeah. And that was really cool to see like how many people were doing stuff different. Like, yeah, we set it up to where you didn't need a redirect to do the whole thing, but everyone was going for like different redirects and like different, you know, Isaac even threw a whole nother climbing system over, you know, to get, get the limb walk done. It yeah. was, it was so cool to see how, how differently everyone approached the work climb. And one thing I wanted to do, and we did do, it was weird cause we were short on time. You know, we finished this as it was, it was dark. I was clearing cowbells in the dark with my buddy, Sean, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I didn't want a time limit on it. Because the work climbs at a competition are so much fun. It's the most fun thing. and Nothing's worse than getting timed out. Yeah, and we had all skill levels, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I first started comps, you know, you'd get one or two stations and it was like time. You know, you get five minutes to do the thing. But it's so much fun to do it all. So I didn't want any time limits because it, w- it was more of a training in mind. We were actually scoring these. So there was the competitive nature of like, all right, I got to be efficient, kind of hustle a little bit. But you get to do everything, which teaches you different work positioning, different techniques, all that stuff. And it was a friendly competition. Like there was a couple of spots for some really good swings. Oh, man, yeah. It Like <laughs> Dakota freaking crushed it with one of his swings. Yeah. But if you got lost, and there was, a, there was a one spot where you could get lost in the swing. If you didn't stick it, you could find yourself just <laughs> floating in space. So if, you know, if someone got caught, we would kind of swing them back to a branch so that they could then they start could again. It. Cause we weren't, we were, we wanted it to be competitive and you know, you get docked points if you got in that situation, but we also wanted people to go through the whole thing and experience it and learn it. And, you know, it like this wasn't a, uh, like, battle to the death kind of tree competition <laughs> no. you know <laughs> no it, it, was, it was a training yeah you know it work I, positioning route planning all that stuff and motivation to be efficient was was like the competition side of it you know i think that's the balance that we really rode perfectly we walked the tightrope of training and competition mm-hmm. throughout the whole day in a way that everybody walked away feeling like they got better and that they were just super stoked to have done it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and it's something you can go do with your friends. I'll I'll send you the score sheet too, you know. <laughs> Reach out if, yeah. if you want. I'll send you this score sheet I made. I modeled it after, you know, competitions I've seen, changed it a little bit. Um we should uh we should reach out to Charles, some of the people that had, someone was flying a drone. I don't even know who had the drone out there. Yeah. But we should get some of those videos and put them up because it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Sean gave me his memory card, but the video is like laggy and slow. Like something's weird. Oh, on the drone? No, no, no. Sean had a video camera the whole time and was like getting all this. Great. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sean, the yeah, footage yeah. is great, but it's something wrong <laughs> so yeah. i gotta get the memory card back to him and see if it works on his end i don't know interesting yeah because there, there's a lot of good stuff there nice i i look forward to seeing yeah. that well hopefully we'll is, be able to get something out for you guys yeah but this is something you could do with your friends on your own you know oh yeah easily yeah just go hang some flags in a tree yeah yeah it uh challenge each other safely (laughs) well we've we've talked about doing a couple different kinds of competition and that that's another idea i want to throw out there to people is uh and uh i think dan was talking about that he'd done something like this but capture the flag in the tree yeah where you got you got two climbers in separate trees and they each go up and set a flag and then come down in like five minutes so you got five minutes to set a line go up and get the flag in the hardest spot you could get it yeah and then see if, you know, then have the other person go get it. Yeah, that sounds fun. Or, you know, I like the idea of you, you know, have 
one person goes and sets the flag in in five minutes. And then the other person has five minutes to go get the flag and set it in a different part of the tree and then have that person have five minutes to get that flag and set it in another part. Or, you know what I mean? You'd have to figure out the timing maybe because if it takes five minutes to go set the flag, you probably, you know, maybe five minutes from when you get to the flag to set it in another part of the tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and just keep doing that until someone can't get the flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, that training was a big success. We had uh, coffee and donuts in the morning. Charles bought us all Dude, sandwiches. Shout out to Charles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. And was it Joka that brought the voodoo donuts? Yeah. Dude, shout out to Joka. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, it felt like something legit. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was a good time. I'm sure we'll be doing more. It, uh, it's real rewarding to get a bunch of friends together and all have a really good time. All have a lot of fun and all learn something. Yeah. And it makes you better at work too. You know, getting out and rec climbing, doing stuff like that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Um, get out there and, Go do some rec climbs. It it makes you better at work. You know, train with each other. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The companies, from what I've heard, people don't really train aerial rescue. You know, maybe maybe once a year. I feel like if a company's doing that, they're doing pretty good, from what I've heard. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Find the time to do it. Find yeah. the time for trainings. On the job, whatever. You can still get stuff done. Just be tactful about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can still be in production mode and teach people some shit. It, it's the best kind of investment you can make in your company. Yeah. Is uh, making your employees better workers and safer workers. Mm-hmm. Efficient badasses, too. Totally. So with that, I'll say stay safe and train on. Nice. Is that good? <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Proud of me? Oh. <laughs> I don't I don't think I need to come anymore. <laughs>